Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, through chapter 5, verse 10. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or families. When we began this series of Faith Connection lessons four weeks ago on the letter to the Hebrews, we said that this letter was more like a sermon than a typical letter. If this letter were written as a pastor's sermon to Hebrew people in the early church, today's lesson would be the main point of the message. The key to the supremacy of Christ is in his qualifications to be humanity's great high priest. This topic begins in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, and will dominate the writer's attention all the way to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. The role of a high priest in ancient Israel was essentially twofold. First, the high priest represented God to the people. Think about an arrow coming down from God to man. In this way, the high priest became the mouthpiece of God to the people. He articulated God's words of instruction, encouragement, and correction to the people. Second, the high priest represented the people to God. Think about an arrow going up from man to God. The high priest led the people into the presence of God where confession, forgiveness, and reconciliation are made possible through the high priest's intercession. In Hebrews chapter 5 through chapter 7, the author argued for the legitimacy of Jesus' high priesthood. The problem with this declaration for Jews was that Jesus did not come from the correct tribe of Israel to be the high priest. Remember that Abraham's grandson, Jacob, had 12 sons. Each of the 12 sons became a tribe of Israel. God had set aside the tribe of Levi, one of Jacob's sons, to take care of the temple and all the things related to worship. And some of the Levites, those who uh, descended from Moses' brother Aaron, were to serve as priests. The bottom line is that priests always came from the tribe of Levi. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3 both trace the lineage of Jesus through the tribe of Judah, not Levi. No priest had ever come from the tribe of Judah. So how can Jesus be considered the great high priest? This is the topic of our passage for this week. Let's see what Hebrews has to say about Jesus' qualifications as the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, 
the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Chapter five, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be priest forever to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. If you remember from our first week of studying Hebrews, I said superiority is a major theme in Hebrews. The Greek words for better and superior occur 15 times throughout the letter. In most cases, these words compare Christ and his work to the key figures of the Old Testament. The early chapters of Hebrews proclaim that Jesus is greater or superior to the angels. Now, as Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 begins, we find that Jesus doesn't just fit the mold of a high priest. He is overly qualified for this appointment. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 14, the writer makes three significant statements about Jesus. First, Jesus our high priest is great. This emphasizes his superiority to all other high priests who have come before him. His greatness encompasses both his character and his work. Second, our high priest ascended into heaven. The Greek literally says that Jesus passed through the heavens. This makes Christ's exaltation the focus and makes us think of his ascension into heaven as described in Acts chapter one, verse nine. As humanity's representative before God, think of the arrow going from man to God. Our high priest is able to penetrate into the very presence of God himself. Third, our high priest is Jesus, the son of God. Earlier in Hebrews, Jesus is identified as the son 
Jesus' title as a son of God combines the exaltation, God, with Christ's humanity, son. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human. This makes his high priesthood superior to any other priesthood. The author of Hebrews was well aware of the difficult struggles his audience had faced. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 to 34, he said, remember those early days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Because Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has ascended into heaven, we can hold firmly or we can cling to the faith we possess, we profess. Jesus is our victorious great high priest. He has faced even greater challenges than we have. Instead of abandoning our faith in the midst of suffering and trials, believers need to hold fast to the commitment we have made in Christ Jesus. The exaltation of Christ, his high position and his greatness might cause some to conclude that he was perhaps too remote or too removed from the people to help them. The writer of Hebrews makes clear in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that Jesus is not distant from us, but rather is able to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus doesn't just sympathize with us, that is to understand us from his own perspective. He empathizes with us. That is, he puts himself in our shoes to personally experience the human struggles of his creation. Jesus is uniquely qualified to represent his followers, that is us, before God, because he has participated in the depths of human suffering, pain, and even our temptations. Yet he did not sin. This is why Jesus can help us. Unlike other high priests who are tempted and fall into sin, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. Hebrews typically avoids direct commands and prefers exhortations. Instead of saying, you must, the writer instead says, let us. In his second exhortation of, of our passage this week, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Not unlike today, God's throne in Jewish religious culture was typically understood as the place from which God's judgment of sin proceeded. However, with Jesus as our effective high priest, God's throne becomes a place of grace. As high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, makes it possible for believers to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Therefore, we can approach the throne of God with confidence. As we move from Hebrews chapter 4 to Hebrews chapter 5, 
the author begins to highlight the superiority of Jesus as high priest compared to that of the traditional high priest from Aaron's lineage. To do this, he begins by describing the way things have been in the order of Aaron. The first qualification of the high priest is that he's selected from among the people. The high priest is designated to represent the people in matters related to God. It is because the high priest identifies with the people as a fellow human being that the high priest is able to act and intercede on their behalf. His actions are primarily offering gifts and sacrifices for sins, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. But as high priest, a high priest does not choose himself for this role, nor is a selection made democratically by popular vote. Instead, the high priest is appointed. The appointment is made by God, Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 4 states, the high priest receives the appointment when called by God, just as Aaron was. Because his descent from the divinely called lineage of Aaron, his chief qualification was his human weakness. This enabled him to deal gently with the ignorantly strained people, according to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2. He had been there. He had done that. He understood their strain, their sinfulness, because as a high priest in Aaron's lineage, he too had strayed. He too had sinned. His own failures had obligated him to repeatedly offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 3. So the high priest is selected from among the people appointed by God to act as a mediator between God and humans for the purpose of dealing with the problem of sin. This human system, however, was weaker than what has now been made available in Jesus Christ. The sacrifices had to be done every year, over and over again. The high priest had to start with himself, offering sacrifices for his own sins first. And the sacrifices of bulls and goats were only able to clean the outside of the person. Later in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13, we read the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. So how is Jesus better or superior as high priest? Well, let's look at Christ's qualifications. Earlier, we learned that Jesus qualifies as high priest by virtue of his humanity. Hebrews 2.17 says, For this reason, he had, been, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might, be, he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Christ also qualifies as high priest by virtue of his divine appointment. According to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus didn't take it upon himself to become high priest. God appointed him to this role. We find this appointment being declared through two quoted psalms. 
First, Psalm chapter two, verse seven says, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. The fact that Jesus was the son of God uniquely qualified him to be mediator between God and humanity. Second, Psalm chapter 110, verse four says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. To understand the significance of this second quote from Psalm chapter 110, we will need to take a little close look, look a little closer at this person, Melchizedek, in the Old Testament. We find the story of Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. Abram and his nephew Lot had recently immigrated to Canaan. They found the land too narrow for them to live together. So they separated. Abram settled in Canaan near Mamre at Hebron. Lot chose the Jordan Valley, later moving to Sodom, which was south of the Dead Sea. Four foreign kings unexpectedly overran five cities of the Dead Sea Valley, including Sodom, where Lot and his family lived. These kings ruled there for 12 years. At the beginning of Genesis 14, we find that these five cities began to rebel against their captors. captors. The rebellion, however, failed, and the conquering army ransacked Sodom and Gomorrah, confiscated everything of value, food and captives, including Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions. On hearing of his, of his nephew's capture, Abram called up a posse of at least 318 of his own fighting men. Around the north side of the Sea of Galilee, they caught up to the army that had taken Lot captive. During the night, Abram and his men attacked and routed the army, recovering the possessions and the captured people, including Lot and his family. When Abram returned with Lot, they met up with the king of Sodom and a man named Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. Salem is traditionally identified as Jerusalem. You can hear it in there, Jerusalem, Salem. Scholars suggest the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Melchizedek is referred to as priest of the most high God or priest of God most high. It's important to remember that this event with Abram was long before Jacob's sons were even in the picture. In other words, the Levites were not in existence. Aaron had not been born. So Melchizedek, the priest of God most high, predates the lineage of the priesthood, yet he was a priest. The author of Hebrews connects this priestly office of Melchizedek to Jesus, the Son of God. It's interesting that Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, reveals that Melchizedek was without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life. Resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. One commentator pointed out that Melchizedek comes from nowhere, blesses, and then utterly disappears. Both Melchizedek and Christ 
possess the power of an indestructible life, according to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 16. And therefore, as our priests forever, according to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. So Jesus, the Son of God, is the superior high priest because he is priest forever in the order, not of Aaron, but in the order of Melchizedek, who came first and last forever. <clears throat> We've been speaking of Christ's superiority to all previous high priests of Aaron's lineage. Jesus is the Son of God. He identified fully with humanity, was tempted, but never sinned. He passed through the heavens in his ascension. Nothing separates him from the Father, and he intercedes as he intercedes for humanity. He is priest, not just for a season, but forever. In his greatness as high priest, the writer surprisingly turns to Jesus' earthly life when he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus' appointment as our great high priest followed a path of suffering, obedience, and endurance. We are drawn with these words to Christ's agony in Gethsemane. While praying, Jesus shed blood-like drops of sweat, and he asked the Father to take away the cup of suffering. His reverent submission is seen most with his words, yet not as I will, but as you will, according to Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Though Jesus reverence, through Jesus' reverent submission, even to the point of death, God heard his prayers and destroyed the power of death by raising him up from the dead. Oh, Jesus is superior in every way. Being perfect, he died, rose victorious, and ascended into heaven, showing that his life, sacrifice, and priesthood were all effective for cleansing us. Jesus' cleansing was not just outward as the blood of bulls and goats, but he had power to cleanse us internally from sin and death. He is the perfect mediator for you and for me, perfectly representing God to us and perfectly representing us to God, perfectly able to cleanse us from the inside out. Praise his glorious name. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.